0: Good evening, if you'd like to go ahead and open in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. As I said this morning, uh, we will be looking some time this evening at faith. At the idea of of faith. We're going to go and try to define it more and try to learn a little more about it. And I believe there is no better place to start when we're thinking of faith than the book of Hebrews. Specifically chapter 11. If you want to turn down to verse 8... We're going to read about some people of faith, some people that we can model ourselves after. In verse 8, we read, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful, who had promised. By faith, all this happened. We can get very technical tonight when we look at faith. We can go to the Greek word that faith comes from. That word is pistos. We can look at that and discover that it means, as Carl talked about in class this morning, to have a conviction, a conviction of truth of anything, a trust or a confidence resulting from that conviction. We could get out a Bible dictionary. I looked in vines. It defines faith as a firm persuasion based on hearing. It is used in the New Testament in regards to God, in regards to Christ, and in regards to things spiritual. Or we can just open up the Word of God and look at Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If we break this down just a little bit and think, well, what is hope? Hope is a desire with expectation. Oftentimes, my kids will say, I wish we would do something. I wish that I could grow a bubblegum tree. I wish that... I didn't have to eat my vegetables. They wish those things because they know it's not going to happen. They cannot grow a bubblegum tree, and they are going to have to eat their vegetables. But we hope for things that we know will happen. We hope for things that we desire will happen and expect will happen. And in this passage in verse 1, it said, Faith is the substance. This word substance comes from the Greek word hypostasis. Hypostasis, which means substructure or foundation. So faith is the structure, it is the foundation that our hope is built upon. Since the things hoped for are not seen, the proof or the evidence that they exist is faith. We are convinced of the reality of things unseen, and therefore have confidence. And by that we can have confidence in God. What if someone you loved, what if someone you respected, someone you trusted, they promised you something, a gift, a trip, and... You would not have seen the promised thing as of yet. It was something in the future, but you would trust. You would have, have faith. <clears throat> you would trust and have faith that, that you could desire and you could expect that to come through. You did that because you can have confidence in the person's integrity and the po- confidence in their honesty. What evidence is there that there is in, in this life a, a Paris or a London? I imagine that there are some of you here today that have probably visited Paris and London, but I can honestly say, outside of Kentucky, I've never visited a Paris or a London. The only thing that I have to go on, that it is there, is faith. But I know for a fact that none of you have ever met George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. I can tell you right now, there's not a soul in here, maybe some that have been closer to them than others, but there's not a soul here that has ever met George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. How can we know that these people ever existed? We have faith in the knowledge, in the the evidence that is there for us. The fact is uh, that these places, these men actually existed, is all based on faith. There is a heaven. There is a heaven. And as faithful Christians, we can expect to go there. What evidence do we have in this? What is the basis of our hope? Hebrews 6 verse 18 A God who cannot lie has told us so. In Hebrews 6 verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. We can believe Him. We can have faith in God. Another passage in Hebrew, look down in just verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please Him for he who comes to God must believe that He is. Is faith necessary? Since by faith one obeys God into entering into an approved relationship with Him, and by faith one lives a life that is approved of God, it is obvious to see that faith is absolutely necessary to please God, as this passage says. Faith must be in one's heart and becoming a Christian. Turn over to Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, we read, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith must be in one's heart in becoming a Christian, and it must be retained. Look over in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is an is a intertwined part of the Christian life. There is no sin, in fact, more devastating than the sin. Of unbelief. If you would take your Bibles over to John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, so oftentimes we, we want to stop reading at verse 16, but let's skim right on down to verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has believed in the name, or because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If, if we have unbelief in our life, it eliminates every phase of usefulness that we might have for God. Unbelief is easily crept into our lives too. If we maybe might have kept a finger, and I probably should have warned you, keep a finger over in Hebrews. And we want to look back in Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The sin that was so easily ensnared us that they were talking about there is the sin of faithlessness, the sin of having unbelief, and it keeps us from fellowship with a living God. Again, another passage: Hebrews three, chapter twelve, Hebrews three, verse twelve. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you, any, uh, in any of you, an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Trust and confidence comes from the knowledge of God. We talked about this morning: His character, His love, His dependability, sovereignty. All of this is revealed in the Scriptures. So how can we have faith? Romans 10 does an excellent job in, in, in helping us to understand this passage. It breaks it down and says it in a verse that most of us have probably memorized. Romans 10 verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God is how we build our faith. A faith that is absolutely necessary. But how can we have evidence of faith? As we discussed, there are many things that are accepted and acted upon by faith. Before we were born, the pyramids of Egypt were built. And I have very little doubt in my mind that Charles could probably build those pyramids today. He could probably draw up some plans and architecture and they would be right there. But none of us were there when those pyramids were built. We believed that they were Knowledge of this, but we would believe it. We regard it as a fact that intelligent design, intelligent beings erected them because they show this evidence of intelligent design. We have faith in that. Before we were born, the universe was created by God. And for the same reason we believe that it had intelligent design because evidence is there of intelligent design. So as we come to know Him, His character, His power, His wisdom, we have faith in Him that is, he, That He is able to do all that He promises. talked about that a little bit this morning as well. The many promises that he, that he offers to us when we are in Him. We can have faith that those promises will come true. Evidence of one's faith in God then is not noted in any other way but through obedience to His will. Turn over to James chapter 2. <clears throat> James chapter 2 and look in verse 17. You see then that the man is justified by works and not by faith only. Faith enables one to obey. It enables one to obey in the absence of understanding the why and the how of the thing commanded. Have you ever thought about that for a moment? We work with someone who is is new to, to Christ. Think of the Ethiopian eunuch as we talked about a couple weeks ago. This idea of baptism would have been foreign to him. He had no no prior knowledge of Jesus. He had to be taught from the very beginning. We know that baptism was taught when preaching him Jesus. And so, if you put yourself in his position, all the evil things that I have done in my life, all the sinful things that I have done in my life, you are telling me that all I have to do is get down in that water and, and they're washed away? That doesn't make any sense. What we are asking people to do, what God is asking people to do, is not something that is logical. It's not a logical request. It's very much so more an emotional request. But one with faith looks at that and says, I don't have to understand how it washes the sin away. I don't have to understand why He chose water, baptism for salvation. All I have to understand is He wants me to do it, and I will obey His command." Faith is the trust that assures one that he will receive a promise even if he is unsure how he will receive that promise. He can have confidence in the one who promised it. The evidence of faith then is seen in the actions. It's seen in the actions of the faithful. Hebrews 11 goes all into that as as we read about Abraham and and Sarah. But Hebrews 11 is, is focused on so many who by faith were able to accomplish things. And that goes on to show us that there is a degree, of uh, 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 degrees of faith. See, faith leads us to obedience. So there is a saving faith. But for that faith to be saving, we have to first understand these degrees. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8, these are the few places where, where faith is talked about and is put into a measurable sense. Matthew 8 verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Here we have this idea of great faith. While we're here, let's kind of contrast this. Let's look over at Matthew 14. Matthew 14 and verse 30, where we read, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, uh, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying uh, saying, The Lord save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Romans chapter 4, we see yet again another degree of faith. Romans chapter 4 and verse 8, uh, excuse me, verse 20. <clears throat> he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Here we see an idea of a strong faith. And again, in Romans 14, in verse 1, Receive one who is weak in faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. And then as we read in James chapter 2, there is such a thing as dead faith. It's important for us to understand these different degrees of faith. Because for faith to be a saving faith, it must be strong enough to cause one to obey God. As Hebrews 5 verse 9 says to us, Hebrews 5 verse 9, And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. A mere conviction is not enough. If you will remember in James 2 verse 19, even the demons believe. Even the demons have faith. But it's not the kind of faith that brings them to obedience. That's, that's not a, a conviction is not strong enough. Faith must also include Obedience. Flip back, if you will, to Numbers. Look in chapter 20 of Numbers. We'll read about Moses. In the first 13 verses, "Uh, Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meetings, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, to get uh, Gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of, of Morabah, but, uh, because the children of Israel contented with the Lord, and he is, was hallowed among them. When we read of this passage, did Moses have faith in God? Of course he did. God had brought him this far. He believed in God. But did Moses obey God? We see the, the confidence that Moses had that water was coming out of those rocks. Think of the embarrassment that he might have, uh, might have suffered if he stood up in front of that rock. Speaking like this to the children of Israel. You rebels! Must we bring water out of this rock? Think of the, con. he had confidence that something was coming out of that rock when he hit it. He knew it was going to happen, but he didn't have the faith that caused him to obey what God said. He didn't say strike the rock, he said speak to the rock. And what was the cause of his disobedience? Or what was the result of his disobedience? See, he didn't enter the promised land. Sometimes we, we tend to think, well, at least he got to see the promised land. Can you think of the pain that that would have caused him? How much trouble and how much time and how much effort had he went into to bring the children of Israel? How many people had he seen die because of their disbelief, because of their lack of faith, just to get to the edges of the promised land and be allowed to simply only look in? Still separated. Not to enjoy the the results of, of of their trials. In every reference to faith, as a means of salvation, the saving faith is an obedient faith. As we said a minute ago, John 3, we tend to stop at John three 16. Let's go ahead and turn there and read that passage. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This word believe it is the idea of have faith, whoever has faith in Him. But let's not stop at verse 16. Let's go on down to verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. The word believe occurs twice in verse 36, but if you go back and look in the Greek, they are not coming from the same word. The first time the word believe shows up in verse 36, it comes from the word pistuo, and the latter from pytho. Pistuo means to be persuaded, to place confidence in, to to trust in, to have faith. But the latter one means to obey. Verse 36, very welcome. But he who has faith in the Son has everlasting life, life, and he who does not obey the Son shall not see life. In fact, some translations have, have changed these words to match this. But this is the idea that is carried forth here. Faith is of the heart. Faith is invisible to men, but obedience is of the external. It is the only possible way that we can give evidence that we believe God. That we can give evidence that we are faithful to God is when a man chooses to obey God. Understanding this then, we see salvation is certainly by faith. Make no mistake, salvation is through faith, but not by faith alone. For faith alone is dead while an obedient faith is living. Faith alone is imperfect while an obedient faith is perfect. Faith alone will not save. Faith alone will not justify. But an obedient faith will. Faith alone characterized the demons in James 2. But an obedient faith characterized Abraham in Hebrews that's what I want to spend the rest of this evening talking about. I want to talk about Abraham and the example that he set for us in faith. If you turn over to Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3, and look in, uh, start in verse 26. Uh, We can start in verse 16, but specifically we want to focus in on verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Abraham is the father of the faithful. We look back and see how he received Excuse me. If we look back and see how he received this title, how he received to be known this way, we look at the actions, the obedience that he showed. Hebrews eleven talked about how he left his country, he left his countrymen. We've even been talking about that in our scripture reading. Never to return, he went out into the unknown. He left his home without doubting. He didn't question God. He had no idea where he was going, but he said, "I will follow you," and he believed in a promise of a son. Even though such a birth was naturally impossible. Genesis 17 goes into this, how, how he was promised to have this son and how they didn't think it, would, it, was, it was just ludicrous. They didn't think it was logical that they should have a son. But they believed. They did not waver in this belief. In fact, it can be said that they hoped against hope. It didn't seem possible that this could happen, but they showed faith in God, a faith that was strong. Look a little bit farther. Genesis 21 we see another example of his faith. We see him casting out Ishmael. How hard must this have been? Ishmael, while yes, the son of a concubine, Ishmael was his son. His son. And he takes his son on the command of God and, and, and of Sarah, and he casts him out. This had to be very difficult. But he realized that obeying God was more important than anything else on this earth. Even more important than personal relationships with people of this earth. Obeying God was what mattered most. You see that he taught his children and those in his house the ways of the Lord in Genesis 18. And we see this reiterated again in Deuteronomy 6, the importance of this characteristic of the faithful. But where I want to focus the remainder of our studies is in Genesis 22. Turn over to Genesis 22 and look in verses 1 through 19. This is the most vivid and my personal favorite example of Abraham's great faith. Of all the commands that God had given him, this would have been certainly the most difficult to obey. Yet what we see in Genesis 22, Abraham rising early in the morning, gathering up his son and taking him to offering him. Let's read in verse in chapter 22, starting in verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now when we think of this, when we think of what he just commanded Abraham to do, I imagine many people today would say something along the lines of, say what? Excuse me? Can you repeat that? What did you just ask me to do? You understand this is my only son, and I love him very much. What did you just ask me to do? But what do we see in verse 3? So Abraham rose early in the morning. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on.